0: Welcome to the NHL playoffs on the third line plug, SenseCast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited to get together today. Unfortunately, for today's episode, my esteemed co-host, Mr. Tim Jensen will not be joining me. He and his wife, Chelsea, are on their honeymoon in Japan, but I am super excited to welcome back to the show a returning guest and a former third line plug co-host, Joseph Stenemore. Joseph.
1: I hey, buddy. How's I'll it going?
0: back. I'm super excited to have you back, man. You know, it's funny. We were talking a little bit before we hit record because I remember you were on our fifth season and I was like, how long has it been since he's last been on? Like, it's just been that long.
1: I think, uh, I think at the start of the season I was on, or maybe preseason. Maybe it's been a while though, but it's yeah, always it has, fun.
0: It has been a while, and I mean, this is, I want to say, your. I want to say fourth time. Fourth time you've been on the show because you've been on a couple of times. You had an exclusive interview. We've been on as a host. So I'm super excited to have you back. And I know for myself, because it has been a little bit of a while, I'd like to get an update on what you've been up to since we last spoke.
1: Parenting. Parenting's been a big one. <laughs> so yeah, besides, besides parenting and coaching my kids' Little League team, haven't been doing too much as far as like podcast or writing goes. Uh, we do have something in the works for next season. I had a project kind of fall through for the season that just passed uh just due to unforeseen uh, circumstances but i do got something in the works here coming up for next season it's gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be a little competition with other sense podcasts but it's always friendly and i'm still always happy to pump you guys up
0: yeah and that's all we're doing right because i mean there's been so many podcasts and blogs that have come around the years now i do recall the last time you were on you were talking about the said project that unfortunately fell through with this new project can you speak a little bit on it or is it still in the works right now
1: no i could definitely talk about it it's uh it's going to be a sense podcast dedicated to the auto centers but we'll obviously talk general nhl uh it's called talking some sense uh shout out to my buddy jacob lavivyak cuz that's the guy that's going to be you know the main host uh we're going to be doing english episodes there's going to be some french episodes uh so you know we're going to try to kind of uh, have a little bit of something for everybody uh you know ottawa doesn't matter where you're from. If you're a Sens fan, we'll have a little bit of something for everybody.
0: Yeah, because I know that a lot of Senators podcasts are in English. So it is actually kind of interesting to hear that it will be in French. Now, for said episodes, will you be joining Jacob for that or will he have a separate co-host?
1: No, so my French has fallen through over the years. I I am originally a Frenchman, but when I moved to Alberta, I lost a lot of my French. Uh, So I'll be joining him for the English podcasts. But for the French ones, I think he's got another co-host in mind.
0: Okay. Now you did mention that you you were a freshman that moved to Alberta. Unfortunately, Alberta is in the middle of the wildfires right now. I do want to ask though so how have you and your family been doing up in Edmonton with all that?
1: we're doing okay i mean we've had some minor symptoms from you know massive smoke you know sore throats coughs and stuff like that it's cleared up quite a bit today uh, a lot of people that i know you know a little further south in calgary and airdrie uh other sense fans that are out there friends of ours uh you know they're out there they're having a bit more of a struggle you know orange skies and stuff and just not a really good atmosphere for them uh physically it's just you know it, it really does a lot to you um we have fires all over the province you know even around Edmonton, like. Uh, Pretty much in north, south, east, and west of the city, those fires. Uh, but it, it's, Edmonton itself is pretty safe.
0: That's great to hear, because I know that I have been seeing the footage and the pictures of Airdrie, Calgary, Cochrane, all of the surrounding areas. So it is great to hear that you and your family do well up in Edmonton. Now, Joseph, one of the big reasons I brought you back not only because I always have a great time talking on those podcasts, but also because for today's episode we got to talk about. The 2023 playoffs, second round second, all right, second round recap, third round predictions. Now, before we get into talk about the playoff series, there has been some news stories that have developed since Tim and I last recorded. Now, because this is an Ottawa Senators podcast, I think we need to start off with the ownership situation currently with the Senators. And currently, as of this episode, the Ottawa Senators, there are four bids right now in the works. The big one that I think took a lot of people by surprise was the lack of a bid from the Remedy group with Ryan Reynolds.
1: Yeah, that's pretty disappointing. I mean, everybody got pretty pumped up for Ryan Reynolds, you know, being part of the owners. Everybody was convinced it was happening. It was pretty much a done deal. And, you know, other bidders were just kind of there just for the show. was kind of how we all had it pinned down, right? And then, um, from my understanding, essentially, it looks like um, a bit of a temper tantrum in the end and just walked away, which is crappy right because we all want to see you know that uh the ottawa centers version of welcome to rex i like that would have been one of the coolest things to see and it, it would have really put us on the map but honestly i think these other groups that are coming in and, and making bids they're gonna be good for the sense too you know as far as uh getting them out there uh, worldwide worldwide stuff like that snoop Dogg definitely would be the biggest as far as you know star power goes and or even the weekend uh these are the guys that could put us globally on the map um i just I, like Snoop Dogg has a bigger following than Ryan Reynolds. Um, I just think Ryan Reynolds would have been more involved. I think he was more ready to be the face the day-to-day, right? As a Snoop Dogg, for example, who said he'd probably show up to like five or six games and the weekend not publicly saying anything about any kind of attendance. I don't think he's even come out publicly and said anything himself about being part of the you know ownership group.
0: Yeah, because I know that when the Melnick sisters put the team up for sale last year, I know that the weekend was linked to the Ottawa Senators and their ownership along with Sandra O. Oh. But with Ryan Reynolds, I can't see, and I believe that Ian Mendez even said this on a recent podcast, that's not ours, but it's a different one. He says he can't see a situation where Ryan Reynolds is not involved with an ownership group and Sense fans are happy about it.
1: Yeah, it's it depends, right? If he's a proud person, he might not be willing to come back and be like, Hey guys, I'm back. You know, like, certain situations guys might be embarrassed or you know anyone might be embarrassed where you know they have to walk away because of their group or whatever reason and he might not want to come back to the table like as you know a lot of people like i say he's a proud canadian boy you never know hopefully if he he could swallow the pride if if that is a thing and uh you know he gets invited to another group and he's more than happy to join because again i think it'd be incredible for the whole league
0: Absolutely. And I know that Gary Bettman's even come out and said the same thing. He says he really, I think he really wants Ryan Reynolds to be involved with an NHL franchise. And I can't see whether it be the Nico Sparks or whatever kind of ownership group, they don't try to bring Ryan Reynolds in just because of like you're saying with Rexum, which by the way, I got a chance to finally sit down and watch last week. And I think after a few episodes, I was all in on Ryan Reynolds behind the scenes. I was for what he's done for Rexum, especially in that, uh Disney Plus thing he did. I was just like, yeah, I'm all in on this.
1: Honestly, um, after watching the um the Welcome to Rexone documentary, I started watching their matches. Like I watched a lot of their matches, which a lot of them started like 8 a.m. on Saturdays and stuff like that here locally. And I'm an early bird, so I'm like, this is awesome. So yeah, I started watching a lot of their matches. Contemplated buying a jersey. I'm just not quite there yet as a fan. I want to see what they're gonna do next season because they're you know they they won the league and they're going up a league. And I want to see how they do there. Um, but I think best time to probably buy a jersey would be now before they go up in price.
0: <laughs> 100%. I mean, I would love to see if Ryan Reynolds does become involved with the Ottawa Senators, I would love to see a Wrexham jersey in Sens colors. Like, can you imagine how great that would be?
1: That'd be sick. Or even having him show up at a game in his Deadpool outfit with the Sens jersey on.
0: Oh, I think if Ryan Reynolds is involved with the Sens ownership group, there has to the first video that has to come up is him in the Deadpool costume doing a fan fan for the video. Oh, yeah.
1: And and I would hope to see in the next Deadpool movie he'd wear a Sens jersey.
0: <laughs> or even have some Sens players in there. Could you imagine if Brady Jacuk was in Deadpool 3?
1: Yeah, that would be sick. I I would love to watch that. He fit right in. That man's a monster. He's like a mutant.
0: It's crazy because I I remember seeing Brady with the Sens. Not this season, but last season, I remember standing on the opposite side of the glass. And I'm standing there like, oh my God, that guy is like 23 or 24 now, and he's in like full gear.
1: And I know. Massive. And his face, he looks like such a baby. He's got that baby face still, right? So he, like, you look at his face and he's so young, you see him face to face, like up front. Like, I went to the uh, auto Edmonton game last season, and he came right up to the glass where I was standing, and I was like, holy shit, he's like a giraffe with muscles.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like if you see Tim Stutzla, too, is the same thing. You're like, holy crap. He's actually bigger than a lot of people give him credit for.
1: He's huge. And that man's jaw, like jawline, like it's straight, like square muscle. Like he's not getting knocked out if he gets into a fight and gets punched in the face. He's He'll be fine.
0: No, he's got a jawline that could like break glass.
1: It's sexy, though, isn't it? It is. Tim Stutzla is a sexy man.
0: Yeah, he's definitely on the up and comer Man Rocket team. But...
1: <laughs> and another thing I was looking forward to with Reynolds, by the way, just to touch base, I, I kind of had this fantasy where Otto would show up to the um, the series in Sweden and then Ryan Reynolds would bring all the Wrexham boys to come watch a game be like, guys, this is what ice hockey is for real. Like I was really hoping to see something like that, right?
0: Oh, that'd be so cool. I do got to make one more comment here before we head off into the next story about the Sens Ownership Group. The Nico Sparks bit. I know that Snoop Dogg is a big part of it and – it seems like he wants to be very much involved with hockey and building that sport. But the one thing I know a lot of people on social media have been really praising them is, is their inclusion of the first nations communities. And I think that's a very, very cool thing for this team.
1: I think that was one of the smartest moves they could make one financially two to build uh credibility within the Canadian community. Um, I, honestly, it's probably one of the smartest moves they could have done. I'm, I was really happy to see that. And it kind of, Everybody had their questions about the Nico Sparks group and the red flags, which, by the way, I have not paid attention to over the last three days because I'm just so fed up of seeing everything that I'm just waiting to see who comes. So the last three days, if there's anything that's come out, I'm totally out of the loop. But yeah, there's been a lot of red flags that have come out. But when he invited the, um, when he invited them to the group, sorry, I thought that was really cool. I'm like, that's that's literally how you really can involve Canada. Like, it doesn't get more Canadian than that.
0: So we're going to move away from talking about the Ottawa Senators and talk about a recent story just in the last day or two that's broken. Now, I don't know how closely you've followed the Arizona Coyotes' bid for a new arena, whether it be in Tempe or Scottsdale or whatever. But they have been trying to get a new arena after leaving Glendale. Tempe seemed like the perfect situation for them. They're going to have this $1.5 billion complex that the city was going to vote on. 56% voted against it.
1: So I think one of the things I was reading a lot is it's a lot of seniors who just aren't really into it, who don't want it. It's a shame. Arizona's been through a lot, and they've had literally mostly downs the entire time they've been an NHL team. I think their biggest up is when they had Wayne Gretzky as a coach. And it's kind of one of those things where like you really don't want to see them not get the arena, and that's kind of what happened. And now you're at the point where like, they're still trying to find, you know, what, okay, so what are we going to do now? Where should we play now? Honestly, I'm at the point where as sad as it is to see, because Arizona has been around for a big part of my hockey life that I've been watching it, but I think it's time, it's time to go. It's, they've got to relocate. They have some loyal fans, some really good loyal fans, guys that I'm friends with on Twitter, like great guys. But at the end of the day, they're not making money for the league. They're costing the league money and they've done absolutely everything they could to stay in Arizona. At this point, They just, I think they just got to relocate. It's got to go.
0: It is a very unfortunate situation for the coyotes, but it's something that Tim and I have always talked about on the show is that Arizona is one of those places where the local populace are mostly transplants. So you need to put a winning team on the field, on the ice, on the court. That's where the coyotes have failed spectacularly over the years. And unfortunately i am in the same boat as you are i do think that the coyotes pretty much are done in arizona but you know what though the thing about them relocating you look at some of the teams or excuse me you look at some of the cities that are linked to the coyotes and you're thinking okay that could be a good possibility
1: yeah i mean there's been a lot of room i mean at the end of the day who knows where they would go you know houston talk uh quebec city uh I think they said Atlanta again, which I mean that failed for a reason. I mean, I just don't see it happening. Um, but yeah, they're they're gonna have to relocate. Um, I even I was mentioning to a buddy of mine. I don't know if you've ever watched if you watch any CFL, but when you watch a Rough Riders games, like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the CFL, they sell out like that house is packed. And I think they can do the same thing if they got an NHL team, they can really pack the arena. They got some passionate fans out there. Much like Ottawa before they became a team, you had, you know, Montreal, Toronto fans, but a lot of the local people were like, hey, we got our own team now. That's who we're going to back up. And I think Saskatchewan would do that. The guys who are Flames fans or Oilers fans or Winnipeg fans or Canucks fans, I think they would just get on board with the team, you know, their local team. And I really do think they can freaking excel there.
0: Yeah, that's a very good, good point there. And I do see. Some of the cities, but I do see, unfortunately, Houston being the one that get it because they are the biggest populous city. One of them, I actually came as a surprise over the last month or two that Salt Lake City was actually in the running for a team.
1: I don't know what the population is there, but I remember the Olympics there. They did it. I mean, the locals there killed it. They did a really good job there. People came out, they watched the game. They they knew hockey. Um, I, I couldn't imagine like not having an NHL team there at some point. Like it's it's a really beautiful city too. Like it's nice. But Salt Lake City would be a really good one. As a Canadian guy who knows how many teams we have in the NHL, I I really want to add another. Now, people say Gary B- Bettman, sorry, hates hockey in Canada. He has Canadian teams. Who knows if that's true? And they want to grow the team in the States. They uh, Sorry, the game in the States a lot more. But I still think they can profit and really, really gain from getting another Canadian team
0: absolutely. Unfortunately, I don't i I know a lot of discord of people talking about Batman is about how much that he doesn't like Canada for having teams. But the thing is, without him, both Alberta teams would not be in those cities today.
1: the him. NHL would not be what is that love him or hate him. Like, I'll boo him. Like, if he comes here, you know, for a draft and I get to go there live, I'll boo him. But that man has done more for the NHL than anybody else in the history of the league.
0: So, you did mention you would boo Gary Bettman if he was at a live draft. The NHL draft lottery happened last week. And, you know, you looked at some of the teams Anaheim, Columbus. There were some bad teams in there. Chicago ended up winning it.
1: Yeah, that was uh, the amount of people that call that rigged, right? Because it's a marketable city compared to the other cities that were up. And they couldn't give it to Montreal two years in a row. And Montreal don't deserve anybody else. That's just me saying that as a sense fan. Uh, Chicago, the organization, does not deserve it. They just don't. The fan base, though, they deserve it. The fans there are good. I know a lot of Chicago fans. Uh, one of my really good friends is a Blackhawk fan. He's such a good guy. The fans deserve it. The organization deserves nothing. My jaw dropped when I when I saw Chicago. I had like, Are you kidding me right now? Like, I on I really expected it to go to Columbus. I really I was waiting for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I was like, Yeah, all right, you could play him with like Goudreau and stuff. Nope, went to Chicago. And I was just like, Well, that kid's gonna coming to a team that's going to be an ultimate failure for a handful of years he's not going to be able to play to his full potential he's got some good line mates but he can have better line mates had he been drafted pretty much anywhere else anaheim would have been crazy though imagine him playing in anaheim with all the young talent coming up there holy crap
0: i honestly was of the mindset that he was going to go to anaheim when you look at mason Metavish and troy terry and well trevor zegers i mean you're talking about just those guys right there in Jimmy drysdale like jamie drysdale but the funny thing is and something that a lot of people don't realize about anaheim is that you're being in anaheim you're pretty much in the la market you are in one of the biggest markets in america just being half an hour down the road from them
1: yeah i know people have gone to uh they did the california tour and that's kind of what they said like you'll see a lot of la jerseys you know in the stands when you go to a, a ducks game um to be honest, I've never really paid attention to like the the fan base of the Ducks in in the arena during a game. So I don't know if they sell out or how their attendance is, but I could imagine like with you know all the LA faithfuls, like it's not great.
0: Yeah, I can't see it either. But the thing is, for me, is that I unfortunately I don't have the stats here. But from what I understand like Anaheim still has a pretty good fan base down there, despite the fact that. They haven't really had a good team in years, so unfortunately, I can't really tell if they sell it every game. I imagine they do pretty well, though.
1: Yeah, so I I looked it up here. The average attendance is thirteen thousand and eighty three, which is a seventy six point two capacity.
0: Okay, three quarters full. That's not bad. It's respectable.
1: Yeah, it's respectable. Pretty respectable for considering a team, it's that's not good, and it's in California, right? Like California hockey, California is growing, but. You're not the LA Kings and you're in California. 76% of, yeah, that's not bad. It's not bad at all.
0: No, it's not bad at all. But the thing is, even for Anaheim fans is that if you live, if you're an Anaheim sports fan, like you think of it, you like, well, I could cheer for the ducks who are not good, or I could cheer for the angels that have two generational talents that they've wasted their careers.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not a big baseball guy, but epic failure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I do have one more comment I want to make here on the draft lottery about the Blackhawks winning it. Now, I don't know if you follow urinating tree on YouTube, but he did his reaction to the Blackhawks winning it. And it was the clip from the Simpsons where Mr. Burns wins the Pontiac Astro wagon. He drives across the baseball field and they throw the pretzels at him.
1: (laughs) I've seen the clip. I, I have not seen his video per se, or his tweet, but I know which, which Simpsons, you know, uh, video you're talking about and yeah that makes sense <laughs> it makes a lot of sense
0: that honestly he doesn't even, he didn't even just say anything that was just that clip and it, <laughs> summed it, up perfectly. it was amazing
1: it's a clip that goes hard man everybody understood
0: so that wraps up our news stories joseph which can mean only one thing it's time to turn our attention to talk about the 2023 nhl playoffs second round we gotta talk about just the second round as a whole, because, you know, it's funny, for a first round that was as good, I don't know about you, I just felt the second round was just kind of a thud.
1: I found the first round was more fun to watch in the sense of way more upsets. Seattle beating Colorado, Toronto beating Tampa. Uh I, I personally had Minnesota beating Dallas, but Dallas winning. You know, but it's not even just the amount of us, it's more like the gravity of them, like Boston sets an NHL record, then gets eliminated by Florida, the guys who just squeaked in. And then, you know, we want Florida. You know, Toronto goes in there. They win one game. And Matthews is invisible. Uh, honestly, it, I think whoever wins the Cup is going to be between whoever wins the Eastern Conference.
0: Yeah, honestly, I'm in the exact same boat as you. And However, because we are a West Coast podcast, we got to start off the Western Conference. The second seed in the Central, Dallas Stars versus the first wild card, Seattle Kraken. This was the first playoff series do the two teams. Tim had the Dallas Stars in seven. I had Seattle in seven. Tim got it right. Stars in seven. And the one big thing I got to talk about this playoff series, Joe Pavelski proved that he was him in that first game.
1: Oh, yeah. Joe Pavelski, man. That four-goal game. Like, I know we're talking about Dallas really quick, but like, then Drysado follows it up and does the same thing, right? Like, it's just crazy. But like, Pavelski, like, people don't realize how good he is because he's in the West Coast, right? As sense fans, not many people pay attention to the Dallas Stars, but four goals in a game, he won. Like, geez, like, Joe Pavelski, man, he was good in San Jose, but since leaving San Jose, I feel like he, like, in Dallas, I feel like he's really stepped it up.
0: I think because in Dallas, he doesn't exactly have the same sort of team around him like he had in San Jose. But the thing for me, when I'm thinking about Joe Pavelski in that game one where he scored four goals, Seattle won that 5-4 in OT.
1: Oh, that's right. He scored the only four goals in that game.
0: He pulled an Austin Matthews in the playoffs.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's crazy. Honestly, I um I I won't lie, to you. I didn't pay much attention to the Seattle series. I just kind of would watch the highlights and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised Seattle took them to 7. Like they went from a complete bust last year. I I had them beating Colorado just cuz of Colorado injuries. But then uh, no one saw them going to 7 games in, you know, the second round except for you guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's funny because even when I think about the Seattle Kraken, and I got a chance to see them this past season, and the one thing I really noticed is that this is a team. This is not a team that's built on a couple of superstar players that just drag this team kicking and screaming. Because you look at that roster, I mean, really, outside of Maddie Benyar and Jordan Eberle, who's who's really the guy on that team?
1: Right, exactly. It's the and that's in a sense they're kind of familiar. Sorry, they're kind of, they're kind of similar to Carolina, where like we know the Carolina names, but they don't have any mega stars. They just have a bunch of guys who are really good, just good, you know, and they do what they do and they do it really well. <clears throat> like Seattle for they're they remind me of Ottawa in a sense of there's no quitting them. They play to the final buzzer, they play a hard-nosed game, even the smaller guys. Like it's fun to watch Seattle win. And also similar to Ottawa, it's the back end that was a little softer, and goaltending was a big question, right? The only difference is Seattle plays in respectfully a softer division. So it was easier for them to make their way to the playoffs. Unlike Ottawa played in the hardest division in the league.
0: Yeah, and that was the big thing about the crack. And I really noticed that they're not a, they don't, they're not great defense. Well, they're not bad defensively, but their goaltending was very weak. But another big thing that I found in these playoffs is that the Kraken could not hold a lead to save their life. It was like, they would go up by two, three goals. And it's like, well, I guess we could just not care anymore.
1: But the amount of games where they scored like five or six or plus more goals, I think they, if I'm not wrong. I'm pretty sure they had like more five plus goal games than any team in a league. Like, which is, I mean, at the end of the day, they're what third year in the NHL, second, second year in the NHL. Sorry. And look at what they're doing though. Like it's, it's, I remember I, we come from the era where we watched Florida and Ottawa, uh, become NHL teams, right. Where our teams were built off of, um, you know, me, when I was shit, right. We, we couldn't get much and rebuilds. sorry. Uh, expansion teams today are different. You know, the, you actually get good players now. Nobody expected Seattle to make the, the playoffs this year after seeing last year, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, they, they went out there, they earned it. Um, you know, like you said, their defensive side of things were a little soft, uh, so they let in a lot of goals.
0: Yeah. I do want to make one more comment here about the Seattle Kraken before we head off and talk about the Vegas Edmonton series is that I don't know if you've got a chance to check out Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle where the Kraken play. I cannot stop raving about it to anybody who I ever bring this up to. Like, Like, I'm from the West Coast, so I always knew about what it used to be was Key Arena. Now it's Comet Pledge. And it's one of those arenas that you walk in, you can tell that's a brand new arena.
1: Really? No, I've never seen it. I've seen um, a couple guys that I know are photographers. They've made their way out there to go see some games and take pictures. And you can tell by the pictures, like it's a really nice arena. And they really put the money into it, you know, to make the fan experience good to make, um, you know, visiting team experience, good home team experience. Good. Um, it, It's, like I said, from what I've seen, it's a nice read. I've not had the privilege of going. Uh, although a couple of buddies of mine were planning on going down to uh, Seattle, we're going to try and try and find a window where we can go see a Jays and, and, and Seattle game and then go see, you know, the Ottawa and, and Seattle games. If not, then we'll see if we can get Calgary or Edmonton or Vancouver in there. Uh, but we're trying to make like a like a nice long weekend out of it. So I, I do want to go there next season. Really hoping to. I've heard nothing but good stuff about you know the, the arena and everything.
0: Seattle truly is one of my favorite cities to go to. I've been there a number of times. And the nice thing about Climate Pledge is that if you look at pictures of where the arena is, there's so much around it. Like there's the armory where they have the team store and there's restaurants in there. But the nice thing about Climate Clement Pledge, if you actually look at a picture of the actual arena from the outside and you look at it and you're like, that's a really small arena. But the problem is, is that the city deemed that a heritage site. Because when the key arena was first built for, for the uh whatever uh, World's Fair that, that back in the 60s, so basically you couldn't tear the building down. They just gutted it from the outside, from the inside, built the new arena it.
1: Yeah, it was a good idea. I mean, it probably cost them a lot more, but yeah. it's great though. I love and that. I apologize. i clear my throat a lot. The smoke from the last week, man, is just making me clear my throat. It's just that raw throat. So I apologize if I'm getting that on microphone.
0: And that's all good. You know, we talked about, obviously, with the smoke in Edmonton. Now, we got to move along and talk about the Edmonton Oilers because the number one seed in the Pacific, Vegas Golden Knights, versus the second seed in the Pacific, Edmonton Oilers. It's the first playoff series between the two teams. Tim and I both had the Vegas Golden Knights in seven games to win it. Vegas in six. I just want to ask very quickly, though, Joseph, because yep. you are in Edmonton. Yep. What is the reaction of the people in Edmonton regarding this series?
1: I'm getting one extreme and then another. So I'm getting people being like, you know, it was a good season. We did good. You know, we got to the second round. We took Vegas, you know, pretty good. And then we're getting the other ones who are like, blow the team up. This is an ultimate failure. From me, from my personal point of view, as a Sens fan, though, but I'm still watching the other's living here, you can, t- it's just a lot like Toronto. There's a lot of holes to be poked into that team that they need to address they don't have the cap to address it and they're afraid to make a big move to address it. It was crazy. Like there's fights at every game. Like it was on the news, every game there was fights like fans fighting each other and stuff, just angry fans. Like I, I understand they're all disappointed and they're pissed off, but like, you know, they still stuck it pretty good. Like they still had a good season. You know, they, the, the LA series is so far my favorite series in, in the playoffs so far. Um, You know, the Vegas series didn't go their way. It was a very ugly series, like both ways, you know, the, you know, the Petri- uh, Alex Pitch uh, Angelo thing, like, I mean, that was, it got pretty ugly there. And I honestly, I expected, I expected Edmonton to win in six.
0: That would have been a really good prediction, honestly. And I was kind of flip-flopping. Okay, do I go Vegas? Do I go Edmonton? I do got to disagree with you there on the one comment you made about the Oilers being afraid to make a big move because of the move that they made for Matthias Eckholm at the trade deadline, and that really short up their defense in a big, bad way. I mean, that was a defense that you look at it, and you're like, I don't know if this team is good defensively, and then he comes along, and it, they get better.
1: Yeah, but what did they give up, right? They gave up Tyson Berry, essentially, is, is the main piece they gave up. When I say blow up the team, and people are going to crucify me for this, you move someone like Drysider, you go get, you use him, and you go get guys that will plug the holes that are there. And you still got Connor McDavid, you still got Evander Kane, you still got Zach Hyman. Like you still have some offensive, you know, power there. You go get yourself, you know, like I said, pieces you need to make the team whole. Because right now they're being exposed a lot. Like Toronto, they're really strong in like one aspect of the game and really soft in the rest.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think if the Oilers were going to move anybody, I don't see Leon Drysidle being the guy. If I see anybody, it would have been a Ryan Nugent Hopkins.
1: But even then, his. He would not fetch you the return you need to plug the holes. He would get you pretty much a maybe a slightly better version of Nugent Hopkins in return. And when I say that, I mean that in a defensive way because Nugent's offensively like had the quietest 100-point season in the NHL. Like Most people don't know he had 100 points this year. But you would probably get yourself somebody who's better defensively, less gifted offensively, which is something they could probably use because a lot of their forwards can't play defense for shit.
0: It is true. And even talking about Leon Draisaitl, I know this is a comment you made during the Seattle series. Like Joe Pavelski himself in Game One, four goals on five shots, and Vegas won that as well.
1: Yeah, I know. Like that's crazy, though. Like, how do you, how do you like, how does one-year star score four goals, and that not motivate the rest of the team to just go? You know what I mean? Like, I when one-year star player scores four goals, you should not be losing that game. You really shouldn't.
0: No. And honestly, when you look at Toronto with Matthews on that four goal, I think that should have been the warning signs right there that this team was going to be the way they were for the next several years.
1: Oh yeah. Like when you look at Toronto, like they just, he doesn't show up in the playoffs. Like, I don't know why. Like Marner was slightly better than him, but like if they played to the capacity they played during the regular season, they would be facing Carolina, but they didn't. Goal tending couldn't stand up either. Uh, Samson off is, is a hell of a goalie, like he is pretty good, but I mean, he just couldn't cut it, he just couldn't do it right. Like, he had some pretty good saves and stuff, but at the end of the day, he had some pretty soft goals. And when you're in the playoffs, soft goals are the difference between a win and a loss.
0: Yeah, Toronto has known that in the past, as Ottawa fans have known that in the past. Now, we're talking about the Vegas series. I think one of the big reasons I was flip flopping on who I really had in this prediction, it came down to Vegas and goal because they don't have Robin Leonard, they had. Laurent Boussois, who got hurt, in... no, I didn't think he got hurt. He got pulled in Game Three. Aiden Hill comes in. He kept Vegas in that. I mean, if you were to tell me at the beginning of this playoffs, Aiden Hill would have come in and been the now the guy for Vegas moving forward, I would have said you're lying.
1: Oh yeah, the amount of people that are like, "Who the hell is Aiden Hill?" And I'm like, I knew him by name, but I didn't like know him very well. Like he's never been like a number one NHLer. He's never been uh you know a, a a backup that everybody knew or anything like that you know he's nothing like that but <clears throat> excuse me but um yeah the amount of people were like who the hell's Aiden Hill like I mean is he proving himself to be the starter next year I mean we'll see how the playoffs go. Is he gonna be another Craig Anderson a little bit of a late bloomer comes in takes a spot and runs with it for the next you know handful of years
0: maybe I think the only reason I know about Aiden Hill is that there was a guy I used to work with who was friends with Aiden's dad. In Alberta.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah. So we're going to move away from talking about the Western Conference to talk about the East. The number two seed in the Atlantic, Toronto Maple Leafs, versus the second wild card, Florida Panthers. This was the first playoff series to the two teams. I had the Florida Panthers in six. Tim had them in seven. The hockey gods smiled upon Toronto fans. It was a crooked <laughs> smile, unfortunately. Florida in five. Oh, they... let me tell you. They heard the chance. The Florida. hockey gods heard those chants of we want Florida and said, Oh, you'll get Florida.
1: <laughs> it's it's honestly it's karma. It is karma at its finest.
0: Honestly, I
1: not to take anything away from Florida. They did a hell of a good job. And and Bob, oh my god, that's old school Bob. That is Bob at his finest right now. And if he can stay that way, like he's they're gonna, they're gonna go, you know, far. But Toronto lost that series. You know, Florida Florida didn't win it. Toronto lost it. Toronto could have won that, and they just, they just didn't have that extra gear. Again, not taking anything away from Florida. Like, they all played really well. But when you watch the games, a lot of the times, Toronto was all playing them. They just couldn't put it behind Bob.
0: Exactly. It was just like the Bruins with the Panthers. It was – Florida didn't win that series. Boston lost it. Same with Toronto, and – for me, the big storyline that really came out of this, I know that TSN Sportsnet covered it. Lee fans complaining about they couldn't get tickets in Florida. The thing for me, and I don't know if you ever knew about this, but this is not the first time that sports teams have done this. or out-of-town fans can't get tickets for those games.
1: Even, even the Eastern Conference Finals, I don't know if you remember Ottawa-Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh did the same thing. They did it so that Ottawa fans couldn't come down to Pittsburgh. But what people don't realize, you may not be able to go to Ticketmaster and get games, but all these third party websites like Game Time and stuff like that, you can can get tickets through them still. The amount of snowbirds out there who are like telling their family members, like, you want to come to the game, like, here, I got my P.O. box or my, you know, whatever, and you can, I'll get you tickets. But yeah, no, even Tampa did it too. Tampa did it too a few years ago. It's nothing new. It's just new to Toronto because they've never, they haven't made the second round in, you know, 20 years. So they were like, well, what's going on, right? They're just not used to it. But for the rest of us, it was nothing new.
0: I do want to make one comment here talking about when the Leafs beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. As a Senators fan, Joseph, can you sleep easy knowing that we are no longer the team that last lost to Toronto in the playoffs?
1: (laughs) It's, It's one of those bittersweet moments. We're not the last team to lose to them. But I really didn't want to see him go past Tampa. I think Tampa, though, I, honestly, I was getting tired of seeing Tampa make it far. I was getting tired of like you guys at some point got to drop out, and hopefully next season they, they kind of have to rebuild a little bit. We'll see. Um, but it, it, like I said, it's a bittersweet thing because we're not the last team to lose to them. But I really didn't want to see them, you know, go on to the second round.
0: Yeah, it's a bittersweet moment, but Sense fans can still sleep easy knowing that we were the first one to beat Tampa. So. There you go, Toronto. But talking about Sergei Bobrovsky, and I mean, one big thing I've really noticed is I did not see him resurrecting his career in these playoffs. Honestly, I assumed that they were going to run with a Spencer Knight and Alex Linen. He comes out of nowhere and he proves that $10 million investment was not a mistake by the Panthers.
1: Since Bob got that $10 million contract, he hasn't really played you know, up to the $10 million contract. If he wins the cup this year, he's worth every $10 million season that they've wasted on him. Like he is a brick wall. Like he is classic Bob and it's really fun to watch because I think he's the last good goalie left in the playoffs right now.
0: Well, he's definitely the last big name goalie for sure. And I would say he's the better one. If the Florida Panthers do push past the Carolina hurricanes, I don't see a situation where he's not the consummate trophy
1: winner. Oh, hundred percent. And yeah, he'll, if he, if they can win the cup, it's, he's going to be the consummate winner for sure. Like, I mean, how do you, how do you go for anybody else? Like it's, I'm excited, man. I really hope, I, I hope nothing but the best for Bob and I'm a Matthew Kachuk fan. Obviously a lot of sense fans are even within our own division. We hate him, but we love him. So I kind of, there's a few guys on that team. That I really want to see I want to see Colin white, hold the cup. I really do.
0: Yeah, Colin White, I totally agree with you. But another guy that you did mention, Anthony Duclair.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. I have to get, honestly, when Duke left Ottawa, I think a lot of fans were a little bitter about it. But like at the end of the day, I understand why he left. And he he's really excelled in Florida. He's he's one of their top guys, and he's just as fast as he was back then. Uh, yeah, I think a really cool moment would be watching one of them pass the cup to the other. I mean, f- dope to watch.
0: No, a big thing that we didn't even talk about, we've talked so much about the Florida Panthers, but the thing for Toronto, I look at those first three games and I cannot believe those big guys, the Matthews the Marners, those guys, nothing.
1: Oh, 100 percent I was watching um I was watching one of the Leafs games with a buddy of mine, and uh he's not a Toronto fan, but that's who he was rooting for. Uh, out in the East, he's an Oilers fan, but he's going for Toronto, he's a weird guy like that. Nobody likes both teams usually. But even he was just like, we're in a second period, and he's like, is Matthews playing? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he's just been invisible. Like, is breaking out with speed, and even if he's not playing great, like, you notice him on the ice, but Matthews, you just didn't notice him.
0: Yeah, but even their post-series interviews that they did after game five, you just look at their body language, like, yeah, yeah, we lost. It was kind of a, yeah, whatever.
1: Oh, yeah, it was like watching puppets talk. <laughs> Just no emotion behind it, just nothing. Like everybody saying, you know, the, the whole stereotypical lines, like, "Yeah, I want to be here next year. We're almost there. We believe in this team." I mean, how many of them actually, you know, mean what they say? Who knows? But that's the punchline that they give, right? Every team that gets a that says the same punchline. Every player that's disappointed will give you the same punchline. Um, yeah, it it's kind of cringe to watch, to be honest, because you know nobody wanted to say the things they say. They all really just wanted to shake somebody and say exactly what they felt, but nobody can do it.
0: Yeah, well, it's tough to do, especially in a market like Toronto, where you say anything wrong, you will get crucified to the next degree.
1: Oh, 100 percent. And just a, a quick update here. I don't know if I'm allowed. Can I? Can I give a live a live update for? Yes. You for can. Yeah. So Florida just scored. So it's two two now. Oh nope. They're in overtime now. Sorry, they're in OT now. For some reason, my Twitter just popped up with Elliot Freeman with a tweet saying it's two two. Or did they just win it one sec? Nope, Florida and, just won it in overtime.
0: yeah, I just looked it up yeah, you got the
1: same notification, right? Yeah so Barkov scored uh Verhage scored. I'm just trying to find out who scored the overtime winner
0: yeah no worries. But, I mean we'll I'll continue talking about the beliefs here. I mean that when you look at those guys, one they look so checked out when you look at their post games especially after the series. But the one thing I do really want to talk about when talking about those post-games, you look at Kyle Dubas when they did the postseason thing and you just look at him. That's a look of a man that says, I pretty much just lost my job right there.
1: Yeah. And there. Oh yeah, 100%. Like, I don't know if you, I'm i am assuming you've watched all the clips of like, you know, Akif and and, you know, obviously all the exit interviews and stuff like that you know just by the look of like there's changes coming new gm new coach who knows what's going to happen um i think dubis is a hell of a gm but i think he he put too much stock into three players right like it's hard to have you know three players making 30 plus million dollars a year and then not have enough to build the rest of the team so uh, you know if a new gm comes in hopefully they're willing to make some moves and build the back end
0: that's definitely a sign of a very inexperienced general manager. And I know that Kyle Dubas is a very smart hockey mind. But the thing is, and I mean, I even said this last year, we're talking about Toronto. It's so hard to imagine the Leafs not being forced to now make changes. Once again, even though you want a playoff series, you move from that to almost being swept in the next I, round.
1: Right. It's crazy. Cause I, I think, Toronto getting eliminated. I mean, as much as I didn't want to see them there, I I didn't see them getting eliminated by Florida. I just didn't. Crazy to think that you can have Austin Matthews, Nealander, Marner, and then you can have on your back end guys like even Giordano. Like that guy still got it. Like he's not as fast as he used to be, but he's still really good defensively. Like he's he knows he's slowing down, but he's so smart that he he figures out a way to predict where the puck is going to be. Where guys are going, so he can make that play. But like, you have such good players there, and then look at the bottom, like six. Like, who who are they? Like, I'll bet you anybody who's not a Leaf fan could not name me Toronto's entire bottom six, right, or even half of them.
0: Well, it's been such a revolving door over the last couple of years. The big, the one of the big narratives that I've heard about this, and everybody is always saying, "Well, Kyle Dubes could be gone, Sheldon Keiths could be gone, Shanahan might be gone." When does the blame be put on the big four at this point? Because honestly, they didn't show. You've got to make changes. So out of the big four, obviously everybody knows that Matthews is a free agent. So who do you move? Do you move Marner? Do you move Nylander? Try to change this up?
1: Honestly, I'm I'm letting Bunting walk. I'm trading Nylander. And with that cap space, I'm trying to get a better bottom six player, at least one and a defensive upgrade, because I know Gio's got one more year in his contract, but he might retire, man. He might not come back next year. A lot of people are speculating that he's just not going to come back. So like, yeah, there's, there's a couple guys that I'm letting walk or that I'm trading, but Matthews and Neilander is tough because you could probably get one of the best returns in NHL for either one of those guys. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody's got the the nerves to trade either one of them. And as far as accountability goes, like yeah, it, hockey players today are are a different breed. They don't hold the players accountable like they used to back in the day. Like now it's just like no, it wasn't the players. It was on the coach. It was on the GM. It's throwing everybody in the bus. People will say Matthews and Newlander, Matthews and uh, martin didn't show up, but like no one's gonna do anything about it. You know, like it, you know you got yourself a good player, and they haven't been able to show up in in the playoffs for how many years now? All right, well you know what? We we need a guy that's gonna show up postseason as well. Like I'm. If honestly, for me, I'd probably even move Nealander, uh, Nealander, sorry, and Marner. Like the return you can get for both of them, just like I said with Edmonton and Dry Saddle, you can fill all the holes back there.
0: Yeah, it's not going to be a, a matter of what you're going to get back, it's going to be who makes that deal because, especially for Nealander, will be the easiest one at 6.9. Marner at that cap hit, it's how many teams can make that trade work?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and, and He's gonna to want to go to a winning team, right? He's not gonna to want to go to an Arizona where they can afford it or anything like that. They're gonna he's gonna to want to go somewhere where they can win. I know, like some of the Sens fan, even recently, we're talking about trying to get Nylander in Ottawa. I mean, I think it'd be a really good fit. It'd be awesome to see. I just don't see it happening though.
0: No, because honestly, it's who do you who do you get rid of at that point if he wants to make the trade in Ottawa?
1: Well, exactly. Like, what do you like? Who do you what are you gonna trade? Batherson, his con. I mean, he's not as good as Neilander, but. He has an even better like team-friendly contract. And when you have him back with Norris, like him and Norris together were phenomenal. And I'm hoping for a full season of that next year. Now, if Alex Dabrinkit comes back, I think if you have Alex Dabrinkit, Norris, and Batherson, you have to give them a more defensive structure because they're a defensive liability together, all three of them, because they're not great. But if you give them a better defensive structure, I think that could be a really killer line.
0: Now, we're talking about Austin Matthews. He is an unrestricted free agent this summer, How do you see this playing out for Toronto? Do you see him sticking with the Leafs, or do you see him hitting the open market?
1: A one-year, $10 million deal. That's what I'm seeing. Give it one more go in Toronto and see what happens.
0: Really? Honestly, I think a lot of people have resorted to the fact that he'd be going to Arizona. But the thing is, for me, is that with this whole thing with their Tempe arena that might put the monkey wrench in it right now.
1: Well, it's not even just that. He's he's tasted the playoffs. He's tasted the second round. He wants to win. He's not going to go to Arizona to win. He might go to Arizona to retire. You know, might, might do his last three years back home, kind of like Claude is doing in Ottawa. I just don't see him going anywhere unless it's a contending team. And if he doesn't see himself fit anywhere else, he's just going to stay in Toronto where he's comfortable.
0: Now, the final comment we're going to make here before we move off to talk about the Hurricanes-Jersey series, that game five, two big things. Morgan Riley's tying goal being called back and rattle Gudas and an OT. Let's talk about this.
1: So the goal that was called back, it's, it's a tough one because that, that puck is in, but then the NHL released their statement regarding why it was called a no goal. And that was the intent to blow the whistle. You know, the intent to have the play, blow the whistle, uh, the play dead before the puck went in. Okay. Now, We've had this happen to us many times as sense fans, and there's nothing bigger of a piss off, but it's legit. So the the if the ref really did intend to blow the whistle, you know, and, and blow the sorry, have the the play go dead, then you can't really argue that. But at the end of the day, like I, I could not find. I've rewatched the video a bunch. I could not find a single moment where the referee looked like he was thinking the play was dead, and then the puck goes in, and then. I, I think I think it's a goal. I think Toronto got cheated out of it as much as it hurts me to say. Yep. But at the end of the day, the NHL's, you know, ruling on it, you know, the reason they gave is a legit reason, I guess.
0: It's one of those plays that and I've seen that play so many times that there's just so many camera angles that they have on it that it's not conclusive of okay, is the puck in the net? Except for that one was kind of on the angle and you see it cross the line. And I remember seeing that after the game thinking that's a goal
1: oh yeah people were like oh it's just the angle I'm like the angle doesn't create the white paint between the line and the puck I said there's no angle that that creates that white line like that was there was clearly white paint between the puck and the goal line
0: yeah it's and I totally agree with you it is a moment I hate to admit it as a Sens fan but yeah he got screwed out of that and then you go into the overtime where I apologize if I can't recall for Florida who scored the winner in that OT, but then Rattle Gudas was offside, skated across. And I remember even seeing that after the game thinking, Oh yeah, no, he's, he's offside.
1: Oh yeah. Clear as day. Tell me the officiating is not worse today than it's ever been. I, I, I was saying this and I don't know if you read this. I was saying this the other day. You want the rest to be accountable, make them available to the media after the games.
0: Yeah. But it, unfortunately with technology, the refs are in a tough position because you're trying to make the best of making those calls on the ice. And you're like, okay, I think I made the right call. And then you go back and you're like, Oh, okay. I guess it wasn't right. I guess yeah. I was wrong. But- I totally agree that it's holding the rest accountable, but it's one of those things where at the time it's tough. It's, it's-, it's tough to call for the, for the Mar- Riley goal, because like I said, So many camera angles, even watching it live. You're watching it thinking it was a kind of a gray area at first. Okay, was the puck in? Because he's right on the line.
1: True, but disregard the goal completely. Just penalties in general. Like, the referee's like, it's consistency is the biggest problem, right? Because they'll call hooking here, but they won't call it there. You know, they'll call the high stick there, but not there. Cross-checking here, but not cross-checking there. Interference, you know, boarding, whatever. It's just been, if you're not going to call it, don't call it. If you're going to call it, call it. I I think you let them play until things start to get a little out of hand. Then you start making a little more calls for both ends to tell them both, like, hey, relax, you guys are starting to get out of hand. But you didn't see any of that. It was just literally like almost every series. So it wasn't just them. You see a lot of bad calls, you know, calls that are being made on one team, not on the other team. And I don't know if it's intentional or not. I, I, I think referees are very professional They take an oath that they have to follow. You know, they can there's a lot of lot of stuff that can happen to a referee if they're ever caught, you know, favoriting a team. But at the end of the day, I think it's just they really need to pay better attention and to be more fair.
0: Well, that was a criticism that Tim and I both had with the first round. Was that especially when you look at the punishments being given out on some of the plays, you think about okay, well, how is this not a penalty? How is that not a suspension? Why is that only a fine? The big one for me is when Like the Michael Bunting one, that's definitely a suspension, but there was a play where I can't recall the guy from Toronto hit the guy from behind into the boards at full speed, and I'm thinking that should be a suspension.
1: Yeah, well, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's The inconsistency is crazy. I've probably only seen worse reffing in the NBA.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's because of, you know, they're probably getting paid, but that's not the point. I think (laughs) I do want to make one more comment here about the lease before we head off finally is that, you know, Leaf fans will always say, oh, the refs screwed us and all this stuff. Really? Because I recall the first three games where none of your big guys showed up and you went down 3-0. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, Matthews and Nylander and Marner, not putting points up has nothing to do with the refs. It has nothing to do with the refs.
0: It truly it, doesn't.
1: You lost because you're outplayed by the other team. You had a, They had a better goalie. And they were better defensively. Like, Florida's really good defensively. Like, I don't think their defense gets enough love. I mean, they're not like Carolina. Like, Carolina's deep. But, I mean, Florida still has a really good defense.
0: And it's funny because of the moves that they had to make last season where you lose some of your depth, you lose Mackenzie Winger, you lose Jonathan Huberdo, and you're, what, three wins away from the finals now?
1: Yeah, who, who saw that trade? turning out to be as good as it is for Florida and as bad as it was for Calgary. I, I didn't see that coming.
0: No. And I mean, for Calgary, there was no way that you could fully salvage losing both Johnny Goudreau and Matthew to Chuck at the same time. But who actually saw Matthew to Chuck going from a star player to a superstar overnight?
1: Right. Like he, he fits in really well there too. And, and the tan, like the 10 fits him real good too. But like, yeah, he fits it really well. And I just feel like he he went to a team that really just took him in and they're all happy to have him and stuff like that. And I, I just don't think that Calgary kind of had the same effect with their new players. So I think it might have just been a little bit of an easier transition for Matthew Kachuk.
0: Well, also Matthew to Chuck just looks great in that baby blue and orange jersey down in Florida.
1: He's another pretty one. He's he's a little bit prettier than Brady, but. Yeah.
0: he's not as much of a baby phase, though.
1: No, he's got. A, I want a smash phase.
0: <laughs> and now we're going to talk about the final playoff series of the second round: the number one seed in the Metro Carolina Hurricanes versus the number two seed in the Metro New Jersey Devils. This is the first playoff series between the two teams since two thousand and nine. I had the New Jersey Devils in seven. Tim had the Carolina Hurricanes in seven. Carolina won this in five games, and I can sum this series up in five words. What the fuck is defense? Five-one canes, six-one canes, eight four Devils, and six one canes. That was the first four games, mind you.
1: So the devils they came out hot. Okay. And Lindy Ruff, it was the best thing that's happened to that team in a long time. And at the beginning of the season, they wanted him out. You know, and then they had that we are like, we're sorry, Lindy, like you know, chant after they started doing well. Now they can score but they're in the same position where goaltending is a little soft. What defense exactly like you said? And like I said earlier, Carolina, like they're not, they don't have any like massive superstars, but everybody they have there is good at what they do from the forwards to the defense. The goaltending is probably the biggest question. And even they've been pretty good.
0: And personally,
1: I I had had Carolina in, in seven is what I had.
0: Did you? Okay. Yeah, it's one of these series that, and I unfortunately, I didn't watch any of this series. And I think the only note I really have on this is Frederick Anderson, former Leafs goalie. Right. He simply just had to stand there and not crap the bed.
1: Pretty much. He just had to be the guy standing between the net. He probably could have had a beer league goalie come in and do just as good. Who knows? Maybe, you know, they could have had a Zamboni guy that could come in and play goalie and probably have won that series because New Jersey just was not able to set up anything at all. I watched quite a few of their games and it really was painful to watch. What, what Carolina is really good at doing is giving you zero time and zero space with the puck. When If you're passing the puck to a teammate, there's already somebody within three four feet of that teammate. Like, you need to get the puck on your stick and get rid of it. And Carolina's really good at that high-pressure game. Like, they're so good. Like, I watch them play Ottawa, too, like, every game. And it's it's crazy to watch. I don't think I've seen another team do that in a long time. But, yeah, nobody gets the puck for more than two, three seconds before there's a Carolina Hurricane player on you.
0: Yeah, and a lot of that is on the Hurricanes players. But I do think that Rod Brendamore has brought an intensity to that team. And it's nice to see that he's going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And also, I didn't realize that this is the first time that both Paul Maurice and Rod Brindamore are both Eastern Conference Finals together.
1: Yeah, and what's also really cool is that Brindamore was coached by Maurice. So yep. now it's just like the student versus the master. So I don't know if you watch uh, the Coming In Hot podcast where um, they asked Ward, you know, who, who who's going to take that. And Aaron, Aaron Ward, uh, sorry, Cam, uh, Aaron Ward was like, Fuck you for asking me that, right? Because like he, he was coached by Maurice and he's, he played with Brendan Moore as well. And he's just like, that's such, they're both phenomenal coaches. You know, Winnipeg fans are like watching Maurice succeed in, in, in Florida. And they're just like, they're pretty pissed, but I think, you know, he did all he can do in Winnipeg, but in Florida, I just, I feel like he's got more guys to do things with guys that want to play there that want to play for him and believe in his system. So, yeah, it's, this is going to be a crazy, like, I'm probably more excited to watch a coaching matchup than anything.
0: So that wraps up the second round recap, which could only mean that we get to talk about and give our predictions on the conference finals for the 2023 NHL playoffs. Let's start off in the Western Conference. The number one seed, the Pacific Vegas Golden Knights versus the second seed in the Central Dallas Stars. This is the first playoff series between the two teams since the 2020 COVID bubble playoff year. Now I want to get your prediction on who you see taking this.
1: Uh, I think Dallas takes it in six.
0: Yeah. I got Vegas in seven. All
1: right. You go, you tell me why you think that and then I'll go on mine. You go first.
0: Okay. I think for me, and this is one that, yeah, I'm going to get the Golden Knights the nod on this just because I feel that their top-end skill is superior to Dallas. However, I don't think the Stars are going to go down quietly because I really do like how the Stars roster is built. I think it's going to, for me, come down to Jake Ottinger, who's had good playoffs. But it's not been a great playoffs. It's not been the Jake Ottinger of last year that single-handedly stoned the Calgary Flames.
1: So I think Dallas is a bigger, more physical team and they know it and they're gonna take advantage of it. I think uh Ottinger, like you said, he hasn't had the best playoffs, he had a good season, but I think he, if he can get back to his regular form, he's gonna be great. Uh Vegas, their goaltending is such a big question mark. Like if you're gonna go with Aiden Hill, like there's only so many games, like unless he is literally coming to form and he's literally gonna become their next starting goalie, because like again, pulling a Craig Anderson type situation. So unless he's doing that, like he's just playing on nerves and he, he he's getting his win on nerves. <clears throat> now he's had time to relax a little bit. I just don't see him being able to shut down, you know, Jason Robertson and shit like that, right? I just don't see it. And I think Ottinger can can really get back to his old form.
0: I have that in my notes as well. I do question whether Aiden Hill is going to be able to stand up to you guys. I, got, I think for me, it's going to be Jason Robertson's a good guy, but also Joe Pavelski in those deflections in front.
1: Oh yeah. The old vets too, right? Like Ben, like he's, he's, he's showing up too. Like he's playing pretty good. I, I just, I just think Dallas has got more grit. Um, I think what you're looking at is kind of like a, like a Ottawa versus Anaheim series when we lost you know, the cup finals where both are equally skilled. Ottawa was probably a little more skilled than Anaheim was, but Anaheim was a big, big team. Right. And I just think Dallas is going to go in there and rush everybody. Um, There's even uh, someone on Twitter that was saying, like, they just don't see Jack Eichel or Mark Stone being able to stay healthy for the entire playoffs. Like, someone's going to go down. They're just so injury prone. Um, That's kind of what they're thinking.
0: Mm -hmm. I think, and this is one that I was really flip-flopping on, whether go Vegas or go Dallas. And I do agree with you on the Stars. I'm just going to, I'm like I said, I'm going to give Vegas the nod. And I know, I know this will probably blow up in my face because I look at the years that we've done the playoff episodes and how many times I've picked Vegas. I picked him over Montreal. I picked him over other teams. And how many times has that blown up in my face?
1: See, my thing is, is a lot like Seattle. Like I want to see them do good, but I don't want to see them totally succeed. I feel like the fan bases uh, have not eaten their lumps yet. They Haven't gone through dragging their knuckles on the concrete like the rest of us. I think the last time Dallas won the cup was 99. Yep. And then and then Carolina was 05 or 04. 06. 05, 06. Thanks. So like it's been a while since any of those guys won. Like I, you know, Florida's never won it. Vegas has never won it. Uh, even Florida, I'm like, yeah, you're still a bit of a newer team like Ottawa, but I think like they've earned their bumps. So to me, I just want to see Vegas win it because they just I'm not saying they have bad fans, like they have great, I, I've heard nothing good about their fans. And, you know, there's been certain situations in the playoffs where they've had, you know, poison fans, you know, do stuff. And then the rest of the fan base comes around and kind of, you know, backs up the other people like, Hey man, like that's not what we're like, but I just don't think the organization is old enough. And I don't think the fans have really earned the bumps yet for them to get a cup. Yeah. I think I'd be a little bit better to be honest as a Sans fan.
0: Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree with you on that. And No, I do see where you're going with the Dallas Stars. And like I said, I flip-flopped on who I was going to pick. But, yeah, this is going to blow up in my face. I just know it. But that's okay. That's okay. So we're going to talk about the lone series in the Eastern Conference. The number one seed, the Metro Division, Carolina Hurricanes. There's the second wall card, Florida Panthers. This is the first playoff series between the two teams. Do you have the Florida Panthers moving on, or do you have the Carolina Hurricanes?
1: You're the first person to ask me, and it's been such a coin toss because both teams are so good at what they do. Uh, Florida won game one tonight, and to be honest, if I, were to, if I were to bet, I would bet on the Florida Panthers. You don't come out from beating the two teams you just beat to losing Eastern Conference Finals. You just don't. And if Bob can play like Bob has, I, I think I think Florida will take it in seven.
0: You know what? And as much as I really want to pick Florida, I think the one thing that they haven't really faced in this playoffs is defense. And that's where the Carolina Hurricanes are far superior. And because of that, I'm going to go Hurricanes in seven.
1: See, when you watch Florida, it doesn't really matter what the defense, like, even if it's a really good defense, they really have a way of just driving through people. Like, when you watch like Matthew Kachuk, for example, like it's really hard for anybody in the league to contain him. And I don't mean by his speed. I just mean he's fast, he's gritty, and he's, you know, he's not huge, but he's still a big boy and he's really strong. And they have a lot of guys like that. And I think a lot of their players have kind of molded themselves around the Matthew Kachuk kind of uh, the way he plays, the style of play, right? Where, like, it works for him, so it's got to work for everybody else. So a lot of the guys have kind of done the same thing. And, like, even Duclair, you watch Duclair, he's not a big guy. But he's he's drilling through people. Like, he is, like, he's just not stopping. It's just... It's hard to explain. It's like watching, it's like watching a bullet go through a wall. You know that's that's a that's a hard wall and it hurts, but it's not stopping the bullet. You know, and and Caroline's good defensively, but Brent Burns is you know up there in age. Can he go another full round at the same intensity?
0: Yeah, and Florida overall will bring that crash style hockey, and the Hurricanes are going to have quite the challenge because of that. Not only that, but like we've talked about, like Sergey Babrowski's on his game. How are they going to do against Matthew to Chuck? It's going to be an interesting, and again, like Vegas, Dallas, this is one that I flip flopped on because I, as much as I really, really wanted to pick Florida, again, I had to go Carolina. And this is another team year after year after year. I picked them. And like I said, on the last episode, I've drank the Kool-Aid on them and they have came up empty on me.
1: So what you're saying is it's going to be a Florida-Dallas-Stanley Cup then?
0: <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. And you know what? If that goes Florida-Dallas, you can uh, clip this moment, add it to social media, and you can roast me. I don't care.
1: <laughs> I would never dare, my friend. But Barkoff, like Barkoff, hasn't been bad, but Barkoff hasn't been great these playoffs either, right? Like the Florida Panthers used to be his team, but now it almost feels like it's Matthew Kachuk's team. Like, doesn't it?
0: It really does. It really does. Because Matthew does have that sort of leadership style that really you really want to play from. He is just like his brother Brady in that way. Well,
1: that's what I was going to say, right? He's like he's a lot like Brady. He'll bring the fight to the game, and he'll make you want to join that fight. Like They will drag you into battle, and you want to go to battle with them, and that's what he brings to the table. And I think that's big part of the success is, is – Matthew showing up every night, and guys want to go to battle with him, and that's why they're as good as they are.
0: Yeah, and even like we were talking about in the earlier in this episode, talking about players, they have that, oh, you know, it's all about on the coaches, it's all the management, but when you guys have when you guys have guys like Matthew Chuck, like Brady, who are holding not only themselves, but their teammates accountable, that's where you see, okay, these are different kind of breeds.
1: That's leadership, and they hold their teammates accountable while maintaining a respectful manner. They don't do it in a negative way. They they will always put the loss on their own shoulders. They'll put the team's bad play on their shoulders, being like, you know, I didn't do enough to get my team going. Well, that's what they do. And you're right. That's the difference between guys like that and leaders in you know Toronto, for example.
0: Yeah, and I know as much as I hated him as a Leaf, I had to say that I feel Matt Sundin was kind of like that as a Leafs captain where he oh, he put the loss on himself. He just says, you know what? I wasn't good enough.
1: The The best hockey I've ever watched was the early 2000s, Ottawa, Toronto. Okay, You hated them. But when you look back today, that was some of the greatest hockey in, in Ontario history. It yep. really was. And Sundin is one of those guys that you hated him because he was a captain of the Leafs. But man, did you ever respect him? Because like you said, he really did put the team on his shoulders. He always took the hit when the team played bad. Um, he would go into press conferences and be like, you know, I I wasn't good enough. Um, you know, I should have led my team better stuff. Like, he was a leader, man. He really was a leader.
0: Yeah, and that's how you win the respect of your teammates doing that. It was like, Sandeen was like that. I feel Alfredson was like that. Like he didn't say, <clears throat> no, it was on Hosa. It was on Havlat. It was on Redden. It was on Laleen. It was on me. I wasn't good enough.
1: And that's why 31 other teams will take guys like Matthew Kachuk seven days a week or Brady Kachuk.
0: Yep. 100%. So, Joseph, do you have any more comments you want to make on these playoff series before we head off into the close for another episode?
1: Well, I'm just excited to see a team that hasn't been there in a long time. Like, we have four teams who have never – sorry, who have not been there. Two who have never won it you know, the other two it's been, you know, 18 years plus since, you know, they've won a cup to me. It's just nice to see somebody different, you know, showing up at the dance. Um, I think it's probably going to help American viewership, but I feel like viewership in general is going to go down because of the four teams that are involved. Mm -hmm. Um, like Florida's got some loyal fans, Carol, like they all have loyal fans, but it's just globally or internationally or nationally, no matter how you want to look at it. Sorry. Um, it's just not going to be as fun to watch. I just don't feel like there's going to be as much energy or, you know, what I mean, as much of a buzz as any other year. And it's kind of a shame, man, because there's a lot of good players that are playing, you know, in this final four.
0: Well, especially with the teams being in the South, I think endorsements from guys like Charles Barkley, when he on the NBA on mm-hmm. TNT, I don't know if you listened to his episode with and chicklets this past week, but he talks so high about hockey and how, even during broadcasts for the NBA, he'd be like, you know what, this game is boring. I'm going to watch the NHL playoffs instead.
1: I saw that. I love that. And Shaq is another one that's like, he he's into hockey. He's just like, have you ever watched a hockey game? He's like, it's the craziest thing you'll ever see. He's like a bunch of grown-ass, gorilla-looking men skating on ice, going like, you know, how fast they go, smashing to each other. He's like, it's terrifying. He's like, I'm probably bigger than everybody in the NHL, and even if I can skate, I wouldn't do it. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a damn shame. Another thing I, I find ironic and, and Alifan brought this up that three of the teams in the last four are all like tax haven teams so <laughs> the money is there to get the players is what they're saying but Carolina doesn't have any superstars that they're paying Vegas has a couple of guys you know the Mark Stones and the Eichels um, Dallas has I mean Jason Roberts, are, Jason Roberts is still on an entry level contract yep. um, he, they don't have any huge names either like big superstar names uh, Florida's got like Matthew Kachok and Markov, but at the end of the day, they still play in Florida, which is not exactly the most marketable, you know, place to play. So I mean, you don't have any superstar players like playing right now. And that, I think it's, it's kind of gonna it's gonna hurt the playoffs a bit, which sucks because it's four great teams.
0: It is, and it's gonna be great hockey coming up. I'm just sort of debating a which series I'm probably gonna watch more. Given that there's only two now, I think for round two, I think it got to a point. Joseph is like, there's just so many games on, and it's like, okay, well, who do I watch now? Like, do I just sort of shuffle between all the games?
1: Yeah. See, round one, I kind of, I kind of focused on Toronto, Florida, and the Oilers, and then round two was like, okay, well, Florida and Toronto are playing each other, and the Oilers, and now we're going into the finals, the Eastern and the Western Conference Finals, and people are probably wondering, like, who should I watch? So for me, it goes to fan favorites. Like Matthew Kachuk, fan favorite in the East. I, I I love the guy. And Jason Robertson, for me, like, that kid is, is such a good player, and he's just getting better. So I want to watch him succeed. And same with Ottinger, like, these are two guys you're going to see for a long time. So th- that's kind of why those are the two teams that I, I really want to watch.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug. It's SensCast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Joseph and I love bringing it to you. You can find us on spotify itunes soundcloud and google play as well as on instagram and twitter at third line plug i am also on both at great white gibster tim is only on twitter at m901 honey badger so joseph i cannot thank you again for coming on today to join me for today's episode now before we close out this episode where can the people find you on social media and also when the podcast does come up where can they find you on social media if there's any right now?
1: So I only really do Twitter, it's kind of my main platform. Uh you can find me at JD underscore hockey talks. The podcast is um it's gonna be called Talking Some sense. Uh again, we're probably gonna start here in the off season doing a little bit of you know this and that and kind of getting a few episodes in just kind of just kind of getting a little bit of blood in the water to see how it goes. But yeah it's it's gonna be a lot of fun man it's gonna be fun and by the way for your podcast You're one of the few podcasts I enjoy coming on. Like I don't do much podcasts as as a guest, but man, I've always had fun with you guys. You guys are great. And your podcast is amazing.
0: Well, I greatly appreciate that, Joseph. And I know that over the years, you've always, you've always had really nice things to say about us. And I know that, and I always, I said this to somebody the other day, I says, you know, what's funny. If you were to talk to anybody who you've ever talked to, I dare you to find one person that has any negative things to say about us working with us
1: dude never it's not even just a podcast like i have i have you in, in a group chat on twitter yep. and it's always positive and it's always good information and it's, it's always good conversation you guys you guys are just genuinely good people and the fact that you're sense fans just makes it a bonus for us
0: well i mean not to throw shade at anybody but i think for me and tim i think it's because it... Like, i don't live on social media i don't get caught up in the drama and there's you know a sense twitter there's always going to be drama there's always going to be fights and i just sit back and then i mentioned this even in our thread i like, why the fuck do we even care what some asshole on twitter says
1: twitter is not the real world
0: exactly until next time guys i'm the host David gibson